We are talking about how is God's will done, and specifically, how is God's will done in our lives? Our theme for this year is the prayer that Jesus told his followers when they said, how do we pray? He said, pray like this. And he gives them this whole thing. And at the beginning is, pray that my kingdom would come and that my will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so that's been our theme for this year. The last few weeks, we talked about what is his kingdom. Then we talked about how does his kingdom come? How do we bring heaven to earth? And how do we live in God's kingdom here on the earth? And last week, Pete shared on the will of God. And he talked about three different kinds. There's the kind of global will of God or the will for all mankind. And it's just simply that all of us, the whole world, everyone that he created in his image would come to know him. That's God's will for all of mankind. Then, though, when we choose to believe in Jesus and follow the way of Jesus in relationship with the Father, empowered by the Spirit, there's a will for the family of God, what the church, the bride of Christ, God's family. There's a way that we should relate to each other. There's a way we should relate to the Father and relate to the world and our culture. So they're like these family identities that God gives us as his children. And then there's the specific will of God for our individual lives, because we all want to carry the family identities of the family of God and live that out. But there are specific things that God has for each one of us, specific ways of living and moving and being in this world that are unique, that are just for you. And a lot of times, um, people will talk about being in the ministry, which clarification, we're all in the ministry, okay? We're all leaders. We're all pastors. Um, we all have influence. So we talk about that here. So technically, you know, you're all influencers, but... Um, you all are called to be evangelists. You know, we pray that you all would prophesy, right? We pray that you would all be on mission. But a lot of being in the ministry, meaning like working at a church, um, is very unglamorous. And people a lot of times will think like, oh, you know, you get to lead worship or like be on, be on the stage or get to set vision or make decisions. Um, but a lot of it is helping people hear the voice of God for themselves and helping them discern the will of God for their lives. As far as pastoral appointments and things like that, that is what most of it comes down to. What is the will of God for you right now? Now, I look at myself as someone who has really good advice. Um, I, I feel like I'm full of good advice and good opinions and wisdom. And I remember when Pete and I were leading the young adult ministry that um, none of that mattered. <laughs> I would meet with people over and over and over again. And I'm like, do this, do this. Oh, you've got that going on. Oh, I think, yeah, you should do this. And it was really amazing that like they didn't take my good advice. And I would just keep meeting with them. And Pete was kind of doing the same thing. And we realized, like, it is our job to point people to the Father. 
we might think we know what they should do in their life. And I do think that God gives us insight sometimes so we can help someone. But a lot of times our job is simply, how do you hear the voice of God? And how do you know what God wants you to do in this specific, uh, specific situation? Okay, so this whole idea of your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can all say amen to that, right? Amen, let it be, yeah. And then we just take that, set it aside, and try to figure out God's will for our lives on our own. Am I right? Or am I right? So I was thinking, you know, we have these different ways of approaching God's will in our lives, and I need, I need my boys. Can you guys come up here and bring that Target bag up here? Um, there's more ways than this, and it's not like you just do one at a time, but there's these certain ways. So one of the ways would be like um, a bow and arrow. Can you pull that out? Maybe just, so I do want you to shoot it, but I'm trying to think of where you could shoot it where it wouldn't hurt somebody. <laughs> um, point... <laughs> so maybe like over there, Jude, um, where it's like a wall or something, but don't, don't release it yet. Don't release it. Don't release it. So some of us look at God's will like a bow and arrow kind of thing. We think there is one bullseye. Oh, this actually has a, a bullseye on it, okay. So we think there is a bullseye. It is our job in life to hit that bullseye. And if this is you, sorry, I've got a hair on my lips. Um, you might struggle with perfectionism. This is kind of a perfect, perfectionistic way of looking at the will of God. And some people will say, well, there is a perfect will of God. And you know, isn't sin, like when we sin, isn't that missing the mark? There's a mark that God wants us to hit. Yes, but God's will is not about hitting a perfect mark and practicing and perfecting something and you hit the bullseye and you're like, yes. No, God's will is this thing that is like organic and it's moving. The target is constantly moving. So if you're a perfectionist, this is really frustrating. Um, so, um, uh, yeah, sure. Go stand over there and Jude can try and hit the, the bullseye. <laughs> Wait, oh, no. <laughs> I don't really know how it works, though. Oh, oh, so close. Okay. So um, uh, I'm going to have you guys go around, I think, and... Um, give these to kids that are in the service. So when we're done using them all, you can just set, set them down. We're going to do that. That way, the kids that are in here, you, hopefully a few of you get, get a prize. Here's the thing. If God's will is just one perfect bullseye for us to hit, that means that as long as we practice hard enough, as long as we're skilled and talented enough and we're born with the right skills and talents, we can hit the bullseye and feel really good about accomplishing the will of God for our lives. But often, if we look at God's will as a bullseye, often, not always, but we lack an understanding of the grace and the mercy of God. Okay, some of us, though, we're like, no, we're not perfectionistic, but we are smart. So can you get out the, uh, the chess game? So some of us are like, we play chess with God. We play chess with the will of God in our lives, and we know the game of chess, or at least if we don't, we're trying to figure it out, and we're constantly strategizing. Now, I don't like chess for the very reason that you have to think like five moves ahead, 
or maybe there's some number if some of you play chess. There's a specific, like you're supposed to always be thinking a few steps ahead, right? And so some of us will do this with God. We're like, oh, I think, I think he's going to go there. Or this person, this relationship, I think they're going to do this. Or our boss, I think they're going to do this. And we try to figure out like a few steps ahead. If you have followed God for any amount of time, you know that oftentimes it's like he kind of shows you one next thing to do. And you're like, yeah, but like, where are we going to go after that? Or how am I going to get to the next thing after that? And he's like, just obey. Just do the next thing I'm asking you to do. Um, I, don't, I don't know. You can't really play chess right now. But yeah, thanks for holding that, Jude. <laughs> A lot of times if we're chess players with the will of God in our lives, um, we lack trust in God. We think it's up to us to figure everything out. Clearly, you know, we can outsmart God and we can outsmart other people. So we're just going to play this game of chess. And when we win, we're going to feel really good about it. But when we fail, we're going to be like, where did I go wrong? Why did I not see that move coming? And we get caught off guard. Okay. Pinata. This is my favorite one. I'm sorry. There's no candy in it for whoever, whatever kid gets this. I hope your parent gets, gets you candy to do it. And I didn't bring a bat up here, but with a pinata, do we want, maybe we could, you know, you just use one of the little arrows or something. Just try to, yeah. Um, don't really beat it up. Just pretend. We're pretending. So with a pinata, wait, no, not the boat. <laughs> We're giving this away to a kid. Um, okay. So the pinata, you go to parties, it's so fun. What do you do, right? You, you have this pinata here and the kids, sometimes they're blindfolded, sometimes they're not, but they get that stick or that back and they are just, they're going to demolish this pinata. And some of us do this with the will of God. Go ahead. Just don't hurt it, but you know. Oh, woo, get it. Okay. Hit it again. Yeah. Um, some of us think that we have this bat in our hands and that somehow by our own strength, we can beat the will of God for our lives into submission. We can beat the goodness of God, you know, that candy that comes flowing out. If we just have the strength and if we just have the willpower, we can make God do what we want him to do and give us all the good things. God, I need a job with more money. If I just work harder and if I make all the right connections, I can make the will of God happen in my life. A lot of times if we do that, we lack rest in God. We're striving. We're doing things in our own strength, and we're tired. We can go on adrenaline for a while, but then we burn out. Okay, pin the tail on the donkey. This is one of my favorites. I feel like a lot of us are like this. Jude, will you put on the blindfold? <laughs> give, him one of the, give him one of the pin the tails. Um, this is my favorite one. If, if you're this, you are just, bless your heart, you're all over the place. This is, this is how I feel a lot of times. You know, when you play pin the tail on a donkey, you get a blindfold put on you. Okay, let's not take too much time, guys. Come on. <laughs> um, and then you get spun around, but don't spin them around towards the edge there, if you could not. You know, spin around, spin around, spin around. You get dizzy. You don't know where you're going. Okay. And then you try to pin the tail on the donkey, blindfolded and dizzy. Go ahead, Jude, try. <laughs> Let me get out of the way here. 
I'm not gonna let you fall. <laughs> Wait, don't. It's Marco Polo. Okay, okay, you are, you are gonna fall off. Okay, try to put it on there. Try to put it on there. Oh, so good, yeah. Oh yeah, there you go. Okay, woo, good job, dude. Have you ever felt like this? You're just like, I'm blindfolded, I'm dizzy, I don't know which way is up. I think the pin the tail on the donkey, or the donkey's over there, it could be over here. And so a lot of times if we're approaching the will of God like that, like we're just frantic and we're spun around, we're dizzy, we lack the peace of God. Do you ever feel that? You're trying to figure out the will of God for your life and you just don't feel any peace. You feel confused. You're wondering why people are laughing at you when you're going in the wrong direction. No one is helping you. And then sometimes we can do this. Eye mask, we'll do the eye mask one. This one isn't super fun, sorry kids. But if you're traveling somewhere, you could use this. Um, This is like an eye mask and earplugs. Are you this person on a plane when you're traveling? Do you just like put on the eye mask, put in the earplugs, or put in your, your headphones and just like check out and go to, okay, Greta, that's you. Maybe you should get this one. This is basically, we're checked out. It's too hard to know the will of God. He, it's a moving target. He's always moving it. Wait, don't put the earplugs in. Oh, okay. I was like, wait, if somebody wants to use this. You know, um, God, you know what I need anyway, right? What good does prayer do? Um, Or, you know, I have tried figuring out your will and trusting you before, and you haven't really come through. So you're just going to let the world go on as it's going to go on. Your will's going to happen anyway. So um, I'm just going to put on my little eye mask and put in my earplugs and just check out. A lot of times if if we approach God's will like this, we lack hope in our lives. We lack hope and faith in God, that he could do something greater, that he could actually speak to us, that we could actually know his will and his leading and guiding. Okay, well, um, you guys can take those off. And the last one, I couldn't find anything for this, but some of us do this with God, a test. Who likes taking tests? Any good test takers in here? A few. Okay, most of us don't like tests. But we treat the will of God like it's a test, that we are either administering to God or he's administering to us. He gives us a test and we're like, oh, is it A or is it B? It could be B. I mean, we did, there was that one time, it, maybe it's C. I think it's C. I'm going to ask someone else, make, you know, can I, can I get some help on this test? Or we give it as like a choice to God because we are so benevolent and we are so good. And we're like, here, God, um, which one do you want me to do? A or B? Just let me know which one you want me to do. Is it A or is it B? And you just tell me, and I'm so obedient, I will just do it for you. I'll do it, God. A lot of times when we are narrow-minded like this and we see this image of God as like he's either this test taker or a test giver that we, can, we somehow have to please or that he's a test taker, he's going to take our test. We think we have a little bit of control over him. But we lack the creativity and imagination of God. God does not say this road or this road and stay on it the rest of your lives. Okay, last one here. It's a little puzzle. I'm going to use this one up here. All right, so you guys, thank you so much. You guys give him a hand for helping me. Here's the thing. God is relational. He is relational. 
He wants to relate to us as a friend. He wants to relate to us as the perfect parent. He wants to relate to us. So he knows you and he wants you to know him. And so sometimes when we think of knowing the will of God, we want the answer or the way, or we want to hit the target, or we just maybe want to check out. But what if we approach the will of God a little bit more like this? God invites you over and he invites you to come and sit down in his living room. And he's like, will you just sit down? Oh, and he has like your favorite drink there. And he has some snacks set out for you. And he's like, hey, will you do this puzzle with me? You're like, okay. And you're just happy to be spending time with your father. And he's happy to be spending time with you. And he's delighting in you. He asks you how you're doing and he listens. And you guys are working on this puzzle together. And sometimes you get frustrated. You're like, oh, I don't know where this piece goes. And you just want to give up. And he reminds you to look at the picture on the box. And he helps you. And he says, look, there's a bigger picture here. And he might say, hey, do you remember how we did that one over there? Okay, why don't you try that there? And he's encouraging us and he's loving on us. And it's a relationship. You know, Jesus said in John 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So doing the will of the Father is what nourished Jesus, sustained him, and gave him life. Then in John 5.30, he says, by myself, I can do nothing. Jesus said this, by myself, I can do nothing. And then he says, I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. Can we say this honestly? What Jesus said, can we echo that? honestly in our lives that, uh, man, my food is to do the will of God. I just, whatever God wants, and I can't do anything on my own, and my only aim is to please God the Father. Here's the part that I cannot get over, and maybe this is my really cynical view of humanity, but how is God's will done on earth? And we'll talk about this more later on in the year. We're going to have a series that talk about the family of God, kind of like kingdom culture versus like our culture and what that looks like, um, the family identities as, as we're supposed to live in the family of God. But how is God's will done on earth? Through us. Think about that for a second. God doesn't just go around doing all these things on his own and bypassing us. His will is done on earth through me and through you. And through you, whether you're 10, whether you're 13, whether you're 25, whether you're 39, whether you're 95, God's like, I am going to bring about my will on earth through you. Does that seem like it's a little bit of a reckless plan? Like, are you trustworthy? Are we always these trustworthy carriers of his spirit and of his image? And do we reflect him all the time? And he's like you. You. I chose you. You're going to carry out my will through this earth. You. No, I know all your excuses. I know. you've. Yeah, we all have issues. We have health things. And we have all these reasons. We're too young. We're too old. We're not talented enough. We're too sinful. God's like, I know. But see, actually, you're the only way that my will is going to be brought about on this earth. He chooses to love us through that. And he chooses to be in relationship with us and work with us anyway. And I think that is amazing. It's stunning. So last week, Pete talked about Romans 12, 2. 
don't conform to the pattern of this world. And we're supposed to be transformed instead by the renewing of our mind, right? And I was thinking about this. What are the patterns of this world? And sometimes we'll think of sin things like, oh, well, you know, there's, there's all these things like cancel culture or there's things, you know, like, um, you know, whatever all the, the addictions are. And we'll think that way. Those, we, we don't want to be like conforming to the patterns of this world. But as I was preparing for this message, God made it really clear. One of the patterns of this world that a lot of believers follow instead of following the way of Jesus, submitting to the Father, surrendering to his will every day and being in relationship with him, um, is our decision-making. When we make decisions, our mindsets, the ways that we think about the world and then how that influences when we make decisions. And that is what I said earlier. A lot of times people come and they're like, can you help me figure out this decision? Which is a good place to be. That's not a bad place to be. But what are the patterns that we can see in our own decision-making or in our mindsets? So ask yourself this, what patterns are in my life, in my decision-making process, that mimic our culture more than reflect the kingdom of God? What pattern can you see in your own life or patterns that mimic our culture, how the culture makes decisions, how the culture thinks about things more than reflect the kingdom of God. Decisions. Let's get into this, guys. Okay. We all need help with decision-making. And when we have a decision to make, if you're a believer and you want to follow God, you're, you're really asking, like, what does the future hold for us? What does the future hold for me? What does it hold for my family? And people that don't know God... They want help making decisions too. And they just go to psychics or use tarot cards. Um, you know, if, if somewhere in the middle, if you're fun, you know, just kind of for fun, you might use one of those magic eight balls, shake it up. Am I supposed to get Taco Bell? <laughs> Jude and I got Taco Bell last night at 11 p.m. tonight. I'm feeling it today. Um, no, I should not have gotten Taco Bell at 11 p.m. last night. Jude loves Panda Express. He loves it. And, you know, if you go there, it's, I think it's gross, but you get fortune cookies and you open it up. Am I supposed to go on this trip? Travels in my future. Okay, I guess I'm going on that trip. Will you Siri, Siri, you know, or Alexa or whatever. Is it, wait, Alexa? I always forget Alexa. Alexa, I always say Alexa sometimes. Okay, but here's the deal though. We're all asking the same kinds of questions. We're, we're saying, God, what should I do? What do you want me to do if we're a little bit more spiritual? Um, what do you want me to do, God? I mean, I have my will and I know what I want to do. But it's sometimes very, very practical everyday things where God wants to show us who he is and how much he cares about us, and we bypass going around him completely. Do I get that surgery, God? Or do I get a second opinion? Stuff like that, right? My grandma, she was supposed to have this foot surgery and I'm taking her to these appointments and I'm like, this is sketchy. This place is sketchy. And she finally goes and gets a second opinion. She has a surgery scheduled and she gets a second opinion. And they're like, I would never at your age put you through that surgery. Let's do it this other way. Those things matter. You know, which vaccinations do I get my kids? 
or do I get vaccinations at all, right? These are the things that we are praying about and asking God about. Should I stay at my current job? Do I look for another one? I need one with more money and we need to move, but we can't move unless I have a down payment for a house and I have money saved and in the account and this is how much I make and we've already done our budget. So like, do I need another job? Does my, do I, does my spouse need to go and get a job? Maybe I'll get our kids to get jobs. You guys, sorry. <laughs> do I date this person? Do I date this person? I don't know. I mean, like, did I have a dream about them? Did I open up my Bible and ask God, like, God, is this the person I'm supposed to marry? And I flip through my Bible and I point to a verse and like, yes, you know, I'm supposed to marry this person. Oh, wait, do I marry them? Do I break up with them? These are confusing things. And these are the things that sometimes we go to God with them, but a lot of times we bypass him completely. Which school do I send my kids to? Guys, this is real. Every single year we go through a school year, constantly we, now that our kids are old enough, we used to do it on our own more. But we would say like, God, what school are we supposed to send our kids to this year? Public? Private? I mean, private was never an option, but you know, you have to have money for that. But um, homeschool? I didn't want to homeschool for a few years. I did homeschooling. But every year we're like, God, where do you want our kids? Not just they're so amazing and they're just going to go infect all the darkness with light, but like, what do they need to learn now that they don't have any idea about that they'll need in the future? I don't have any idea about it. I want my kids to be in the world and I want them to see what it's like, how families live and what things are like for people when they don't know God. I want them to experience that. But if God was like, here's some money, send your kid to a private school, I'd have other worries about that. These are the things though that affect our lives. You know, should I move to another house? I mean, we've got enough equity in this house and we really could, you know, we've always wanted to live here. And do, do we move to another state? Do we move to another country? Sometimes it's just the bare minimum. God, how can I get through this day? Like, what, what do you need me to do today? You're like, I don't even know about all those other things. Just, Lord, let me get through this day, please. Sometimes if we're getting a little bit deeper, we might say, God, I want to know your will because I want my life to matter. This is where I am. Sometimes I would get so caught up in some of these things here. I would get caught up in the perfection. God, I know there's either this way or this way. Tell me which way and I will do it. I am so obedient. I, am, I just, I just want to do your will. Just tell me. And it was weird how he would never just give me A or B, like answer the question. So I thought I couldn't hear the voice of God. But I want my life to matter. How can I have an impact on others? How can I have an impact on others that outlasts my life? That when I die... There is something that carries on. There's something generational from my life that I lived. How can I find fulfillment? That is not a bad question. That is not a sinful question. Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. He came so we would thrive. That doesn't mean we get all the money in the world. It doesn't mean everything that we want to see happen in our lives happens. It means there's a peace that surpasses understanding we get access to. There's grace and mercy. His mercies are new every single morning. There's love and joy, unspeakable, that we get to live and walk in. He came to give us that life. How can I find that life, God? How can I please God? 
So the will of God for your life, make this personal. Think about it in whatever decision you're trying to make right now, and you probably have a lot of them. The will of God in your life is going to build the kingdom of God. So God's will for your life is always tied to the kingdom of God. It's not just about you. It is about you. And God loves you so much and he sees every single detail and he wants what's you know, good for your life and to have favor and blessing. But your life and God's will for your life is tied to the kingdom of God. And when we walk in his will for our individual lives, it points to the kingdom of God. Other people will start to notice. And this is an area of our lives. Pete and I are not perfect in this. We have messed up so much. And it's been a journey and a process with God. But we are realizing that one area that many Christians totally go around God, or maybe just, you know, we do one of these things here, is in their decision-making. But here's the thing. It's never just about us. If So if we're making our decisions and we're going to God and it's this conversation and he's like, can I show you some things? Other people are going to take notice. It will point to the kingdom of God. People outside your lives, it could be in your own home, it could be family members, friends, co-workers, other friends at school, they're going to say, why did you decide to do that? How did you come to that decision? And it will be an opportunity for you to share how you came to know the will of God for your life and how good God is. Remember when um, Travis was here a couple of weeks ago and he talked about the kingdom and he was talking about how, you know, the word king and the word dom and it has to do with, you know, uh, dominion and, and territory. But the emphasis is on the king in the word kingdom. So when we're talking about the kingdom of God, it's not how much territory can we get for God. How can we advance his agenda throughout the earth? He's like, the, the character of the king sets the culture for the kingdom that we live in. So the kingdom of God is built on the character of God. God's will for your life will always bring glory to God, not to you. It's not about how great you are at practicing your, you know, arrow, what's it called? Archery. I'm like, not arrow. Practicing your arrowing every day, your archery every day. God does require, there's spiritual disciplines and there's things he wants us to do, but it's not about perfection. And it's not about you achieving something and looking good to other people. The thing about God's will bringing glory to God is that a lot of times um, it doesn't bring comfort or safety to us. It does bring us true joy. It does bring us peace, but it doesn't, it's not really ever designed to bring us comfort. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't enjoy life or that God doesn't want you to feel safe in any given moment or blessed or anything like that. But following the will of God for your life the thing that God has for you specifically, it will require vulnerability and it will require risk. Trusting God, having faith in God, that's vulnerability and risk. And neither of those things are safe. Now, some people will be like, the hard way is always God's way. If it's too easy, it's probably not God. I mean, at least if it's the hard way, you're getting resistance. You know the enemy's after you. He's attacking you. Yeah, that's probably... Sometimes God allows resistance just so we'll get stronger. 
just so we'll have a little bit of fight in us, just so we'll like start to build up our spiritual muscles. It's not always the enemy that is allowing those things or, or, or doing those things. Um, the hard way is not always God's way. Um, but the path of least resistance is not always God's way. So sometimes we'll think, well, if I'm supposed to do that, every single door will just open. You know, like when you come back from a flight at, at PDX now and they have those little doors that you, you know, you're supposed to walk through, keep moving, keep moving. And it's like, if we're in the will of God, we're just going to keep moving and all the doors are going to be open. Just remember that the Israelites, it's one of my favorite truths that I got out of, you know, reading through some of the Old Testament stories when you're just like looking for something, God, what are you going to say to me today? But when he took the Israelites into the promised land, at some point, he actually, it says in, in, in there that he left enemies, basically. He left people in the land because the new generation that had grown up in that land had only known peace. They had never known war. So he left these enemies in the land so that the younger generation that had only known peace could learn how to fight. So they could learn how to see the glory of God come through for them like God did for their parents and their grandparents. His will for your life will always require you to trust him. Always. If you think you can make it happen on your own, no matter how amazing you are, um, it might not be God, if you can make it happen on your own. God's will in God's way, God's will in your life, God's way in your life is motivated by his love for you. Sometimes we think God is distant, he's far away, he's harsh, I don't know how you, how you view God, but um, his will in our lives, yes, it points to the kingdom, yes, he gets the glory, but it's motivated out of his love for you. So we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle to know God's will if we don't slow down to get his heart for us. So we talked about it in January. January was our fasting month, and we went through the starving book. And everyone has different experiences with it every single time, every January, no matter what we do. But I really felt the slowing down this year. I purposely tried to clear out my schedule as much as I could, um, not meeting with a lot of people necessarily that month, trying to like actually make meals, taking our Saturdays and Sabbathing. And uh, I felt it. I felt the peace and the rest of God. I felt like I could hear him more clearly. And that's what he's wanting us to do. When you have that decision, don't just run to God. Tell him, like, okay, which one is it, God? Airbnb, Airbnb. I gotta make, hurry. I gotta make a decision fast. I just need to know. My boss needs to know the answer. And we run off. And he's like, sit down with me. Do a puzzle with me. Can we talk about this? You know, I was, I was out with two friends yesterday, and one of the friends was talking about this very concept, because um, one of the friends said, you know, are, are you sharing tomorrow? And I said, yes, and what on? And I said, you know, about the, the will of God, but not like the will of God. <laughs> not like that. Um, or like, you know, if God wills it, it will happen. Not like that, but like, what does God want for you? What does he want for you in the future? Maybe he'll show you and give you a picture of that, but how do you get there? And she shared how there is like this whole journey God's taken her on, because I was talking about the verses, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And 
So she's like, oh, I've been on this journey for two years learning about this. I'm like, so what has God shown you? And she starts talking, and I'm just like, yesing everything she's saying and amening everything she's saying, because she said, you know, sometimes I'd go to God, and I'd want to find and discover his will, kind of like, is it this or this, God? Which one? And she said, sometimes I would realize if I slowed down and I, I sat with God for a little bit, that he actually would want to talk to me about something else. And I was like, yes, this has happened to me. And I've shared this story before, and I'm going to share some of these stories that if you've heard them before, please don't just be like, oh, gosh, we've heard these stories before. Um, But think of your own life as I'm sharing these stories. But so one time I went to do some prayer with Jan Stahl, and I had all these things going on in my life, and I just was like, oh, I just need Jan. I need her to tell me what the will of God is for my life and to direct me. Um, I also actually kind of subconsciously wanted her to fix Pete somehow, like maybe through a prayer. I don't know. That was thrown in there. It was really messy. Um, We were not in a good place in our marriage, and we're fighting a lot. And I'm like, you need to go pray with somebody. And he's like, fine, I'll go pray with somebody if you go pray with somebody. So he went to Jan and came back and seemed not sorry, not broken, not, not humbled at all. And I was like, well, that didn't work. But I had agreed to go to Jan. And so I go and see her. And I love it so much. Uh, I knock on the door, and Jan's actually asleep. She's napping. <laughs> Wakes up from a nap, and we go downstairs to pray. And, I, and she's kind of like, okay, so let's, what, are you, what are you here for? And I'm like, well, I've got this. I've got to forgive this person. I need to, you know, it's probably one of these things. I just need to pray through them because I'm not okay. And also I need, you know, God to fix Pete. And um, <laughs> please let that be the one. Please let that be the one. And we start praying, and she's kind of like, okay, well, let's just see what God wants to say to you. And I'm like, right now? Like, on the spot? I don't hear from God like that. And she's like, yeah, we're just going to pray. Oh, God, would you just show her what you want to, you know, show her, whatever. And it was like the simplest prayer. And then we sat there. And I had my eyes closed. And I, like, kind of opening my eyes, and she has her eyes closed. I'm just waiting. And I don't hear anything. I'm kind of like, i getting nervous. I'm starting to sweat then kind of starting to get irritated, like this is an awkward, long silence, and surely God is showing you something, Jan, you know, and so she says finally, did you just, did you see anything? Did you just get a picture? And I was like, what? And I realized that just in that moment, I'd had kind of like a memory flash through my mind, and I said, well, I mean, I kind of just thought of something like a memory, but um, I I don't think it's from God, and she goes, let's pray about that. And so she asked me to, you know, she says, okay, let's ask God why he showed you that memory. And again, sit there, okay, God, why did you show me that memory? This time was different. I started crying immediately because it was a memory of my brothers. And I had walked away from God when I was my senior year, like coming out of high school, but my brothers were younger than me. And I had very much wanted, I love my brothers, wanted to help them get out of what I considered an oppressive environment in our home, very, you know, strict environment in our home. And I would take them with me to parties, which was really fun at the time. It was really bonding. It was great. Um, (laughs) But here's the thing. They started getting into drinking and drugs and partying. and, And however many years later, now I'm like, a wife and a mom, and you know, I, I volunteer at my church, and here I am serving God though, and I'm like, my brother's lives are in chaos. 
and it was my fault. Like, I played a part in that. And do you want to know what God said? <laughs> I'm probably going to cry. Did you guys make bets this time? No? No bets? Okay. My kids make bets on at what point I'll cry in the service if I'm preaching. God said, you get to be their sister. I'm their father. You're not responsible for them. And I start crying. Then I can't stop crying. So then Jen's like, I think you heard from God. All right, let's seal this and then like get you out of here. And I'm walking to the car, can barely like, you know, I'm trying to jiggle my keys to open up my car door. I'm like, I don't even know if I can drive home. I, like, I can't stop crying. I walk in the door and Pete's just like happily playing with the kids, reading them a story. And he's like, whoa, what happened to you? I'm like, well, clearly not the same thing that happened to you when you went to see Jan. But I was so mad at God. You want to know why? I had real things in my life that I needed real answers for, and God had nothing to say about them. I was mad. I needed to know what to do in those things, but God wanted to talk to me about something that I was holding on to, a responsibility that I felt, a lie that I had partnered with and was still living out of. And he was like, I'm their dad. You just get to pray for my will. And then that's another story where I actually started praying for my brother, uh, my brothers consistently after that. And uh, my brother Andrew always says that's, you know, I prayed that God would ruin his life. And no, but I started, I was like, I get to pray with God for my brothers. God is praying something over my brothers. He's not sitting there up in heaven like, if only Tamara would not have taken them to parties when she was a teenager, I could have actually had an impact in their lives. No. God's not having a pity party, so what is he already doing? What is he already saying, and how can I partner with him? We have to slow down to be with God. We have to ask questions. And if we get his heart for us, and we get his heart for others, we pray the same thing as God with God. How powerful is that for our own lives and for others? I mentioned it before how we approach schooling um, each year with our kids. And it really is a thing. I mean, if you are a mom, if you're a dad, I'm not to diminish, dads think about this too, but how many moms I talk to and they're like, this is what's going on in my kid's life. I don't want them to go to the school that they're supposed to go to. Or this is what's happening at the school that they're in right now. It's horrible. My kids are getting damaged. They're getting traumatized. This is not okay for them. And because of, you know, just the chaos of the school systems right now, a lot of people are pulling their kids out and homeschooling and doing private school, which is great if you can actually do that. And that's great if God told you to do that. But some of us don't have those options. And so every single year, throughout the year, God, what do you have for each of my kids? And I pray about it. And it's not like I'm frantically worrying about it. And sometimes I do research, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I check out, you know, ask people about the school. But here's the thing. When we moved from our last neighborhood, I don't know, five, five, six years ago, into the house that we're in now, my brother-in-law and sister-in-law's house, we rent from them, downtown Vancouver. When we moved, um, our kids were going to be going, the high schoolers were going to be going to Hudson's Bay. And the younger kids were going to be going to Hauk Elementary. Love that school. 
And then our middle schoolers were going to be going to Discovery Middle School. And middle schooler, or Discovery Middle School, I was like, ooh, I've heard rough things about that school. And so I started asking around, tell me about Discovery. <laughs> and I did. I, I researched and I, I asked people, do you want to know? Not one person had anything good to say about the school. People that had been teachers there, people that had sent their kids there, people that were security guards there. Don't send your kid to school, is what the security guard, former security guard told us. And I was like, so do we send our kids, our middle schoolers to another school? God, what do you have? And he was like, will you trust me? Will I trust you with my children that are going to be going to this school where, um, you know, when Lucy went there, I think it was her first week there, it was halfway through the year, there was like three fights, three fights with girls and boys and security guards and teachers getting involved. And Lucy was like, I got to stop wearing hoops to school. They told me if, girls told me if I wear hoops, I'll get jumped from behind and they'll yank my earrings out. I am not a horrible parent, guys, I promise. I did not. It was like, this is rough. This is rough. But the thing I keep coming back to, God, I have to believe. And I know, but I have to believe it. I have to believe it here. You love my kids more than me. You know my kids more than me. You are actually with them all day long at the school not me. It is a huge trust fall experience with sending your kids to school. And I don't care if it's public, private, homeschooling. It's a huge trust fall to homeschool your kids. I was so excited when God's like, your season of homeschooling is done. And I was like, go, go to the public schools. I love you public teachers so much. Oh my goodness. Here's the thing though. I'm asking God, how do you want to bring your kingdom to earth through these decisions of where to send our kids to school. When our kids have a hard time with their teachers, I don't immediately go and say, hey, can you switch my kid to another class? Your teacher's mean. She's yelling at all the kids. I'm like, okay, how can we pray for your teacher? Okay, how does God want you to be a light in that classroom? Now, hear me out. There are times when you need to, God might lead you away, and then he's like, okay, pivot, because remember, it's not like this linear thing. And he might say, okay, now I want you to do this. Maybe it is pull them out. But the point is, is every step of the way, every decision is not made from fear, it's made from peace. And even if I don't have peace in the moment, it's at least made from a place of trust. Another, it's a marker in our lives as far as the way we started to really see in a really obvious big way how our decisions need to be influenced by the will of God for our lives. Um, we were living in a small house uh, off of, uh, south of Mill Plain, kind of over, uh, I don't know if it's Heights, uh, I don't think it's Heights, but anyway, um, we were living there. We go through foreclosure on our house. So we bought this cute little house and I was like, I could live here forever. We'll just add on to it and remodel it and it's gonna be great. We lose our home in foreclosure. Failure, right? What a failure, this is so, and so then we have to move though. So we are fighting this process. We're trying to prove like why we should be able to get, you know, refinance and do all these things. And it's not happening. During this summer, Pete starts getting this reaction in his body, a stress reaction, and basically has an intense rash 
all over his body and just more generally like in like the lower half of his body. Very painful. He's stressing out. I'm stressing out. We think at one point we're going to have this miracle of God where someone's going to give us kind of like a dream home situation. Like you can rent it and you can own it one day and it's on this nice property. And we're like, we went through all this, but we're getting this. And then that falls through. And as a mom, I'm trying to figure out, we kind of need to know where we are going to live, but I need to know where we're going to send the kids to school. This is in the summer. All these things are going on. And finally, and I was just, you know, constantly refreshing my laptop all day long. God, where's the rental? Okay, I see some rentals. Okay, throw the kids in the car. We go drive by the house. Okay, Pete, I think we need to look at this one. It was very frantic. And God asked me to slow down, to be with him. And one of the things he said was, stop just telling me what you think you want. I was like, God, we have a lot of people in our home. We need to have a house that has like good parking and we have this many kids. So we at least need this many rooms and we want to be in this neighborhood for schools. And I was kind of, you know, cause people tell you beep, beep, detailed in your prayers, tell God what you really want. And he does, he loves that. But I didn't ask, what do you want from me? And, it's not, and then it's not like he gave me permission to dream. I was telling him, this is the kind of house we need. And he said, stop telling me what you think you want. Ask me what I want for you and pray that. So a couple days, it was the end of August, we find a house to rent. It had just come up. I call. It's the first person, or I'm the first person. So the guy's like, oh, you're, you're the first person in line. You're the first person who answered this ad. And I'm totally discouraged. And I'm just kind of like, well, we foreclosed on our house. We have bad credit, blah, 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 blah. And, um, you know, even with um, a lot of the rental agencies, we couldn't get into anything there. And he's like, do, do, do you guys have a job? Do you have an income? I'm like, Yeah. He's like, oh, come look at the house. We go and look at the house, and even then, I'm still skeptical, and I just don't think this is going to happen. I tell the guy all these other things, and he just kind of says, can you just fill out this application, and then I'll just, like, call your husband's work and make sure you actually have a job, and then it, it'll, it's yours. And I was like, what? What? Why was that so easy? And then he told me, he's like, I think I, I, I made the rent too low. I mean, you were the first one, and I've had so many people calling, even ask, or offering more rent. Like, well, if that, if that person doesn't want it, I'll give you more than what you're asking. And I end up enrolling my kids the day before school, school I've never gone to, never, like, you know, done any research on, enroll my kids the day before school, one of the desires of my heart had been to be in a neighborhood and to get to know our neighbors and to show our neighbors the love of Christ. Do you know that we got, my kids have the best memories of that neighborhood because that's what happened. In that neighborhood, God fulfilled a desire of my heart. My kids have great memories from that neighborhood because I slowed down to ask him what he wanted. And I prayed with him for it to happen and he did more than what I could have done. Some questions you can ask yourself with Holy Spirit, if you're, if you're making a decision, who is getting the glory? This decision I have to make, this thing that I want, who's getting the glory? 
Or who gets the glory if I get what I want? Another one is who am I trying to protect? Am I trying to protect myself? Am I protecting my spouse? Am I protecting my children? Am I protecting my friends? Am I even trusting God? Am I motivated by my love for God? Is this decision, is my will in this decision an act of worship to God? Or is it just something I really wanna see happen? And then asking God, God, what do you wanna show me about me? It might not have anything to do with your decision or you don't think it does. What does this have to do, you know, what do you wanna show me about other people involved? What do you wanna show me about the situation, how I see it? I think it's like, you know, this very, you know, hard to figure out or hard to understand thing. What do you wanna show me that only you can see because you have eyes to see? You see it all and I don't. And then how, how can I partner with God? And that really is asking, what is God already doing in heaven? And how can I partner with him to bring it about on earth? What is he speaking over me? What is he speaking over another person in this situation I'm involved with? What, do, what is he saying that I need to declare out of my own mouth? Where is he already moving and how can I join him? Matthew 6, 33. Jesus was saying, you know, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're wearing. Don't worry about what, you know, the next day holds. Tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Don't worry about what you should eat or wear. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. We're going to go into a song, and I just, I want to give you an opportunity right now. I don't need to pray anything. You, in your own language, in your own way right now, whatever the decision is that you are making, that you're like, why isn't God giving me an answer? I gave him option A and B, and I was really benevolent, and I gave him a third option. Think of the ways that you might approach the will of God. Is it a target to hit? Do you just feel lost and blind? Are you like, oh no, don't worry, God, I got this figured out five steps ahead. But take a moment right now and say, God, what do you want to show me? What do you want to say to me? And how, how can I partner with you to bring about the kingdom of God in my life through my surrender to you? Jesus was the perfect example of that. He lived a life, and everyone wants to focus on the fact that he was sinless, and that's good. But one of the things is he surrendered. He surrendered to the Father. He even said, not my will, when he wanted God to take the cup from him. When he was in the garden of Gethsemane and he's praying, Lord, this is too hard. God, this is too hard, but not my will. Your will be done. That's our prayer today.